everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. You can like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about in today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, anything like that, feel free to email me, josh at myfirstsketch.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Since I last spoke to you, we lost Carl Reiner, who is another giant in the comedy world. In so many interviews and articles in recent years, you'd learn that since Carl and Mel Brooks had lost their wives, they've basically spent most evenings together watching the kinds of movies where you'd hear the lines to hear the perimeter. That was the joke, that they loved just dumb action movies. There's a few people with a better resume in comedy, and entertainment for that matter, than Carl Reiner. From your show of shows in the 50s to the Oceans movies... His career in front of the camera and behind the camera has been so influential. I'll post some videos at myfirstsketch.com over the week. But if you can, I highly recommend Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Uh, It's a Steve Martin movie from like 1982-83. I know a ton of people will point to the jerk. But Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid is so underrated and so fascinating about how they made it work. It's basically Steve Martin acting against old footage from other movies with like the noir stars of the forties. Like uh it's 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 just a crazy movie. Uh so rest easy, Carl Reiner. Ninety eight years, that's that's wow. Alright, abrupt transition. We're still having a ton of fun with Sketchubator, our online sketch comedy incubator on Zoom. Every two weeks, we invite a bunch of sketch comics to share new work, to dig up old work, just to try it out. It's a low-pressure, watch-me-drink-a-little-too-much kind of show with full of friendly faces from all over the country. Check out the events page on myfirstsketch.com or phillysketchfest.com for more information. The next one is this Friday, July 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. As for today's guest, it's Emmy Service, currently a member of Suzzy out of Boston, Mass. Suzzy is actually performing in a virtual show this Saturday, July 11th, with the John Paul Bros. You can find out more information about that show at theriottheater.com. You can find out more information about Suzzy at facebook.com slash suzzyboston, S-U-Z-Z-Y. But as for Emmy's first sketch, we're going back in time to a blockbuster in 2004 in a sketch called Them's the Thing. Emmy reads the roles of Joe and Ronnie. They're the employees of the blockbuster. I read the role of the customer, and I'll give you all the stage directions and anything else that you need to know. So let's get to the sketch. Interior blockbuster video, circa 2004. Ronnie stands behind the counter of an empty video store. A commercial for Grey's Anatomy can be heard playing. Joe, the manager, wanders over and Ronnie shuts the TV off. (sighs) Slow night. They're all slow nights here on Blockbuster in the year 2004. Ever since that Netflix thing came out a few years ago, hardly anyone comes to video stores anymore. Might as well take off early. 
Let me finish up the stockroom and I'll come up front. Sure, no problem. Joe leaves, and a moment later, Jamie walks in, and Ronnie perks up. Hi, welcome to Blockbuster Video. Can I help you find anything today? Actually, yeah. My friends told me to get some horror movies, but I'm not really into scary movies, so I have no idea what to rent. If you have any recommendations, that'd be great. Sure thing. Yeah, I love horror movies. Uh, What kind of horror movies are you looking for? Zombies, vampires, ghosts, clowns. Oh, if you like clowns, you should rent It. Rent what? It. It's my favorite. What's your favorite? It. What? What? Uh, Well, if you're not a fan of clowns, you should see Saw. I should what? See Saw. Why would I see Saw? I'm an adult. Well, you wouldn't want a kid to see Saw. It's pretty scary. Why wouldn't a kid see Saw? They didn't make them for adults. Oh, them is a classic. They are? Who are? Them is. Isn't grammatically correct. Okay. They stare at each other for a beat. So did you want me to get them? Get who? What? What? I I can get my manager. Okay. Joe, customer assistance needed at the front. Joe to the front. (laughs) Ronnie hangs up the intercom and smiles too widely at Jamie, who looks at Ronnie, bewildered and annoyed. Joe meanders out to the front and sees Jamie and quickly perks up. Oh, hi. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Can I help you find anything today? Yeah, I'm just trying to get some horror movies. Joe looks at Ronnie and gives a you-couldn't-handle-this look. Ronnie gives back a hey-you-try-and-deal-with-it look. I'd be happy to help. Do you like ghost movies? I believe I got the sixth sense. Of what? What? You said you've got a sixth sense? That's right. Of what? Of the ghost movie. What movie? The sixth sense. A sixth sense of what? How about the others? What others? I can get you the others. How many people are working here? It's just the two of us. Then who else are you getting? If you don't want a ghost movie, would you like the thing? What thing? John Carpenter's the thing. He's the thing? Um, uh... I thought you said it was just the two of you working here. That's right. <laughs> but you said you were going to get the others? Did you want the others? Can they help me? Can who help you? If someone doesn't help me get a goddamn movie, I'm about to lose it. If you lose it, we're going to have to charge you. Charge me for what? We're losing it. Jamie screams in frustration. Ronnie and Joe take a step back. Finally, when Jamie is done, Joe steps forward. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Fine. I don't want to be here anyway. I'm going home, and one of my dumbass friends can come back here and get their stupid, scary movie. Jamie storms out of the store. Well, that was weird. Tell me about it. Scary movie is a comedy. And blackout. Hey, Emmy. Hello. How's it going? Uh, so, um, tell me where this sketch comes from. Tell me about them's the thing. Them's the thing came from I think one of the first sketch classes that I took. Um, let's say it was around 2015-ish, and uh, throughout the different weeks of the sketch class I was taking, there were different types of sketches we were learning about, and the week that we were learning about linguistic sketches, the the assignment was to write a linguistic sketch, so like a wordplay sketch, and I love the classic Who's on First, so I wanted to try and do kind of a tribute sketch that was in the in the styling of Who's on First, but with my other passion, which is horror movies, so that's where that came from. 
Uh, so where did you take this class? This is uh, in Boston at Improv Boston, which is a comedy theater in Cambridge. Okay. And who was the instructor? Oh, I think or... the instructor was Laura Clark, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yes, yes, it was. It was Laura Clark, who's, uh, I believe she's still in Boston. She has a lot of, she has more stand-up now, um, mm. but she she and I have worked together on many sketch projects over the years. I've, I've never, like, of all the people I've talked to and, like, everything, I've never heard of someone having to do a linguistic sketch, like a, oh. like a sketch that's based on wordplay. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued that that's, like, Mm -hmm. like one of the entry points to that yeah so because like over uh in the in one the one let me try that again in the 101 class one of the um you know in the, in the beginning of the class we talk about like what makes a sketch and how what makes it different than improv or a play uh you know how do you just the, the structure and formatting of a sketch and then we get into some of the specifics um so it starts out with like fish out of water some absurdity escalation um parody sketch but then linguistic came towards the end of the class and um and it, it you know i think most people know the classic who's on first which is that miscommunication double entendre kind of thing but wordplay can mean more of just the specific language that you're using or repetitive language or um like a, just the way someone speaks like there's so many different ways that you can use language in a sketch um i i have a lot of fun with linguistic sketches yeah i would i would love that like because when i did my first comedy classes it was you know fish out of water parody mm -hmm. uh a linguistic sketch would have been a nice fun challenge for young baby yeah. writer josh i think yeah and it's so funny because there are i mean there's so many different types of sketch to write and there's so many different types of sketch writers some people like me love linguistic sketches and like they have so much fun with it and some people it's so hard to focus on the language because um, with them it's the thing there's not a lot of action like nothing really happens as people standing on stage but for this sketch it doesn't matter because the language kind of is that's the, i mean that's the point of a wordplay sketch is the language is the star of the sketch um I, it might also help that my parents are journalists, so I grew up kind of with an <laughs> English uh, literature word heavy kind of background. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, like when you sent me the sketch and I saw that it was six pages, I was like, oh, oh that's that's long. But as we read it, it was very rat tat tat quick yeah. dump. Like it it only took like two minutes to to go through. Like it, it goes very quickly, and that's and when I I so I started off taking this this sketch class. Let's let's say it was like five years ago, and um I ended up actually I've been teaching sketch for a few years now. And so when I when I teach linguistic sketch, um there's there's not and I and I direct also. So like when I teach and when I direct, there's a lot of um, interpretation when it comes to sketches and like character and how you want to portray something but linguistic sketches is where I believe that the rhythm of a sketch and the language and the way it moves is more important because with this kind of sketch if it was if the if the rhythm and like the kind of the dance almost of the words wasn't quite right it doesn't work um, so so the sketch is yeah and that's I think a lot of times um, similar or uh, common with linguistic sketches they might look long but then when you're actually reading them they move quick they move much quicker than you'd think um was this ever performed live oh yeah many times <laughs> okay uh how does it go like how uh, does like how's the reaction to it generally it usually is pretty is usually uh well received you can usually tell the people in the audience that know horror movies because the minute they hear you should see it what yeah. see it and then they go oh i know that movie and then there are other people that might not pick it up until 
you should see saw see what see saw and then they go oh okay i think i think i know what it is yeah um so the the reactions are usually pretty pretty good especially uh i think the line that usually gets the biggest laugh is oh they're all slow nights here at blockbuster here in the year 2004 <laughs> which, which is, is which is funny <laughs> because i was still using well i was using hollywood video back yeah, then yeah. but like I, I didn't totally get onto netflix until like i was a late bloomer i feel yeah because i because i think um I was in college just yeah 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 because I was in 2004 I was senior in college and I was uh back in the day I was still doing the or it was the only option at that time was to do the actual disc so it was the mail-in you get the discs Mm. and then you mail them back um which I don't know if anyone does that anymore I actually thought about doing it for a bit but yeah I yeah I decided was, against that extra expense. Yeah. It, it was it was good um, for a while because they had so many more movies available if you actually had the discs. But yeah. then, as you know, digital and streaming became more popular, it's kind of like, nah, it's fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, what was and I held I did the disc thing for a long like I held onto it forever, mm-hmm. but yeah, I same. didn't like I didn't watch it. Like I had uh, I'm trying to remember what the movie is. It's a <laughs> it's a Kirk Douglas movie from the fifties uh ace in the hole i think it is oh okay where i owned that disc for like three years yeah and i was like you know i should cancel this and finally watch it and then when i watched i was like oh eh, yeah that wasn't worth three years of waiting yeah i did the same thing i can't remember which vigo mortison film it was but i know it was a vigo mortison film it was (laughs) after lure of the rings i remember going oh i love lure of the rings i should like watch more movies with these actors and i can't remember what the name of it was but i remember and i remember reading that it was like a very intense movie so i had it on my tv i'm like i want to watch this i heard it's really good but i'm not really in the mood for this like intense movie right now i'll watch it later and like six months went by and i finally returned it never watched it And then, like, the first time I streamed a movie, I, I distinctly remember. It was District 9 in the middle of the day. I was just like, hey, let's see how this works. Yeah. And immediately, I was like, oh, this is infinitely better than everything better. I've ever done. Yeah. Like, this, right is, now. this is the future. <laughs> I wish I remembered what the first movie I streamed was. I don't. Well, I think that was, like, yeah, for whatever reason, I remember it was District 9 because it was just, like, I don't know. It, 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 it just stuck in my head. Yeah. I wish I remembered. I do remember that when I was, um, I moved to LA in 2005, which is when the Viggo Mortensen movie uh, sat on my desk for six months. <laughs> and I had a friend who was living in Oregon uh, and we were friends from college and we had both moved to the West Coast, but different states. But we would have online movie dates and we would queue up a movie together. I, and maybe it was on Netflix at this point and we would play it together. We, then we'd chat on Instant Messenger, <laughs> AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, I like... I remember being like drunk a couple years ago and like really trying to get my friends to get back in instant messenger. Like, <laughs> I don't know why since, you know, everything else is so like, right. Facebook. Like Facebook messenger, even text messaging. But for, yeah, for some yeah. reason I was screaming, I want aim back, bring me <laughs> aim back. And I want to send an angsty away message that I'm talking to one specific person, but they have no idea that I'm even talking to them. I want to show off my favorite song lyrics. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. That, that still a- might be the best idea drunk Josh ever had. So, I mean, I'm all for it. <laughs> like, like, things are retro now. So, bring back, bring back aim, bring back aim. Um, so, has it, uh, this is a, another question I want to ask about the sketch. Um, was it ever filmed? It wasn't. It, okay. It could be filmed very easily. Very uh, easily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially considering I have like a gazillion, uh, 
uh, movies on DVD, and I have these three movies on DVD. So it would be uh, actually I have most of these movies. I have a lot of movies, <laughs> <laughs> but it could be very easily filmed. We never did uh, film it. I think because we were still performing it, we uh, had the idea of, of filming some of the sketches that we were going to retire, um, and then we just never got around to doing that. Um, for because for so long we were focusing more on performing live around Boston and we weren't filming quite so much. Now it's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> now we're filming more for online. Um, but no, we never filmed it. But it was in. Um, no, it it was almost in another show that I directed, not with my sketch group, but with um, like a like a temporary run show. But then mm. I pulled it for time um because because that show is running long and i my my general uh train of thought if i'm directing a show is if, if i have to cut a sketch for time i always cut my own sketch first. So, yeah sacrifice your own stuff yeah exactly exactly um but we've but i performed this sketch many times over the years with my sketch group with like many different people in all the different roles like kind of jumping all around um and that's why i, I tend to um, with sketches like this write um and not, not that it like matters but i i write the character names with um, a name that could be like, you know, gender fluid where, you know, yeah. people could be, anyone could be named Ronnie or Joe or Jamie, or whatever, because it doesn't matter like who's playing what role in, in this particular sketch. Um, so it's very easy to just move cast members around uh, as needed. Yeah, I've taken to doing that too, where unless yeah. like, unless like a gender is part of the specific joke, like if I'm playing exactly. with like normative relationship tropes or something like, like it's either job description or like, mm -hmm. like I use Chris, Pat, Sam all the time, like, yeah because they are just so because i don't care if you're yeah. good for this role let's do it exactly and it's funny because i one of my favorite sketches that i wrote was called it's called spice it up and it's um it's a star wars sketch and when i wrote it originally i wrote it for um the the lady in the relationship to be dressing up as Leia in the gold bikini for her boyfriend who's a star wars fan and my group read it and everyone was like yeah it's good what if you flip it around and i was like what <laughs> and so we i flipped it around and so instead now it's the boyfriend dressing up as han solo for the girlfriend who is princess Leia in the gold bikini and it, it plays so much funnier that way with the girl being the um the super nerdy star star wars mm. like aficionado uh just because it because it goes against the the norm and like what you'd expect from a star wars sketch but at the same time you say flip it up and i'm picturing a dude in the gold bikini so we could do it that way too like yeah. that also works uh, <laughs> uh we've we've done that sketch so many different ways like i would not put, i would not write that off <laughs> uh let's go back to the beginning what were you into as a kid what like what made you laugh um i mean all sorts of things made me laugh being silly always made me laugh i'm i'm big into being silly and being goofy um like i don't take things too seriously try to think of when i was like little little what made me laugh but i know i grew up with sketches sketch groups like Money python and um kids in the hall and uh original like snl the burt freshners is a favorite of mine even though they are not as well known as kids in the hall what is the, it the burt freshners burt freshners i have never yeah. heard of this you need to educate me now Yep. Okay. So the Burt Firstners, um, Burt as in like Burt and Ernie, and then Firstners as in like Freshners, but Firstners. Uh, they're from like the Wisconsin, Minnesota region, somewhere around there. And they uh, they were a sketch group for a while around the same time as Kids in the Hall. And they had a very similar style and tone as Kids in the Hall. Um, 
like very kind of silly and over the top and like absurd kind of premises and kids in the hall was five uh five white guys this professional seven white guys so like it's very similar kind of um similar group so I think what happened was kids in the hall kind of uh, had their special and took off and Burt Freshners had a special and didn't didn't quite take off but they've got some really goofy sketches one of my favorites is um um veal chops and dill sauce and they they have a comedy central special that aired back in the 90s that I watched so many times and it opens the special opens with this veal chops and dill sauce sketch which is essentially a recreation of the my favorite things scene from the sound of music but all of the guys are um like basically playing the von trapp children and one of them is maria and instead of like you know why are you in my room with the thunderstorm it's why are you on stage during my opening monologue and then they're kind of so it's like a weird breaking the fourth wall meta we're talking about the show but we're in the show and then everyone's like wearing the nightgowns but they're not like the the guys wearing the nightgowns like isn't the joke they're just wearing the nightgowns because they're like the the daughters and the von traps and then as they go into the sketch it gets like farther and farther and then it's like oh well the the audience is scary they make me want to cry well don't be scared when i'm scared i think of nice things oh what kinds of things like veal chops and dill sauce and veal chops and dill sauce and then they just sing my favorite things only it's veal chops and dill sauce just repeatedly and that's and that, like that's the sketch and it's, it's the goofiest thing this one you can find on youtube uh, yeah i'm gonna have to look this up because i've yeah. heard i quickly googled and like i got to the page of like uh the imdb page of like uh-huh. the, that special and i was like i only recognize one of these guys so i have no idea what which any guy i'm curious which guy uh chris tallman ah like I, i've seen him in stuff but i've never like is that uh, the, the tall the tall one he's a bit chubbier glasses yeah, okay. yep I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he looked like during the, the Burt Fr- like Freshner's years, but like I think he's like the tallest of them of the of the guys. But like um, I, I recognize him from like Reno nine one one. I think he did a bunch of stuff on like County Central. I think he got like I think he moved to LA and like got into the groundlings. Yeah, that's that's right. yeah. yeah, I know that um Mike Rock was uh, was in comedy sports back in the day. Which, okay. which I'm also part of in Boston. So like I, I like having a slight connection to to the Burt Freshners through that um but but that's my favorite sketch which is just like it's it's goofy and it combines my love of musical theater with this the absurdity of sketch um but they do a they do a similar thing with um like kids in the hall where because it's all guys in the sketch group there's many sketches where they are dressed up as females but but like that's not the joke they're just dressed up as a female because the sketch needs a female yeah uh, which i appreciate so that um that's a that's a great sketch another great one of theirs since we're talking linguistic sketches earlier is the secret language and the whole the whole sketch is like an infomercial about um like books on tape kind of like hooked on phonics kind of thing where it's like you can learn the secret language but it's all hey i'm speaking a secret language anyone can learn the secret language you can understand what i'm saying but you will anyone can speak the secret language and like it's just that over and over which is so dumb but it's so funny that is pretty dumb, but yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so then, like, what what's your first step to like wanting to do comedy for yourself? Like, like, did you do stuff before you took this class at in Prop Boston, or like, yes, like, yes, and were no. you a performer kind yes. of person, or yeah? So I grew up with theater, and I grew up um, performing in shows like in high school and I went to a theater camp um, and I was doing all the musical theater stuff. And I sort of stopped in college because I went to school for film. So I was on the other side of the camera and everything. 
Um, then I did that for a while and I moved around for a while. And then I ended up having this one random job when I was living in Oregon where I was the stage manager for a kid's uh, after school production of an original play slash musical, but it was like the kind of musical where they took songs that existed and just rewrote the lyrics. Mm. Um, but it was like Johnny Appleseed and friends goes across the country and something, something, something. Um, so I was the stage manager for that. So it was like me and a bunch of nine and 10 year olds and the director. And what happened was the girl that was playing the villain like told her parents the wrong day for the performance. So she could do like the afternoon show for the school and the kids, but then they had a flight to catch. So then she wasn't going to be there for the evening performance. And the director looked at me, he's like, well, <laughs> what do you think? And I'm like, okay, boss. So it actually was kind of funny because it was the villain. So it made sense to have like an adult in sure, this show absolutely. with these kids, which is lucky because otherwise it probably would have been more weird but it kind of it kind of worked um and it was the kind of thing where because i'd been doing this for a couple months with with uh with everyone like i i knew the line so it was fine but that kind of got me uh, a taste of what i had missed for so long because i just hadn't done any theater or performing in forever and then when i eventually moved to boston like a year or so later i um had a friend who was taking classes and involved in improv Boston. And so he kind of introduced me around and I met some people and I started going to see shows and I met a lot of friends who were performing and I saw them in shows. And like the more I was around, the more I was missing it. And so I eventually, um, someone, uh, I think from my, my office, when the, the job that I had, they gave me, um, for a, a birthday gift was a, a class because I couldn't afford to take the classes on my oh, own. Oh, that's nice of them. It was very nice. I was like floored and so thankful. And then like I took a class and I met new people and I went on some auditions and like didn't get cast and didn't get cast and then I did get cast and then it kind of all <laughs> eventually, you know, it snowballs, you know how it goes. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a like a long, slow, drawn out process to get back into theater. And now I've been back in it for like five years and I'm just so happy <laughs> and grateful. Uh, you mentioned being a performer kid and doing everything in high school. Did uh -huh. you have a favorite role back then? Um... Probably when I was in high school, I was a junior. Um, I was Maggie in 42nd Street. That was probably, oh, it was like my, my first leading role. Um, so that was a, it was a big deal because it was it was my first time like having an actual featured leading mm -hmm. role in anything. Um, and that was really, that was really fun. I, um, the other thing that stands out is I was, we did like a variety show to benefit um, like a, a foundation. And, uh, it was, and I, I sang Over the Moon from Rent, which was one of the shows I grew up with. It was very dear to my heart in high school. So that was a fun moment for me because, you know, the, I don't know if you know Rent that well. I know Rent, but I don't, I, I've never seen it like live. Oh, so, okay. so I've only seen like the movie and the television version of it. So Over the Moon, like I'm I think was, <laughs> was edited out of the, the movie, I think. Oh, or it was, or is it, sure. it inserted into something else? Like it, no, I'm pretty I, sure over the mo it was where she's. It just doesn't sound familiar to me. <laughs> oh, okay. it's, it's when oh, 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 oh! I'm sorry. No, it's what you call it. It's yeah, yeah, okay. The yeah. performance art. Right, right. Never mind. Okay, I, yeah. I never knew that's what it was called. Oh yeah, it's called Over the Moon. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, so I, I just pictured the the cow teat thing. Like 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> which which was fun to do in high school, which I kind of like did like quickly glossed over that part. <laughs> but it was but it was special to me because that was that was before I had my first leading role. So it was the first time that I was like doing my own song and I like had a solo kind of thing. But then at the very end when, you know, the character's like, Okay, moo with me and I didn't know if the audience would moo and like everyone started mooing right away and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's working and cool, thank you. So that was that was like a, <laughs> a special little moment for me um so uh a, you know a co-worker gives you a class uh-huh. uh, and it's th- that sketch class that you wrote the sketch in or no it was actually an improv class okay so, start, started, so you start yeah, with improv i did start with improv um and i took two improv classes there and and they were fun and um and actually both of the classes were gifts because uh, i was working as a toddler teacher at the time which meant i had no money um so i took those classes and enjoyed them very much but then i never took any classes past that because i couldn't afford to but i was still able to like go on some auditions here and there and then i joined um comedy sports minor league team this was 2000 yeah 2015. Um, yeah. And so I started doing that. And then I think around, oh, I know what it was. I did this show with, um, with some people that were in like the, the comedy community and it was a Star Wars themed show. Ironically, this is not, this is way before I wrote the, the Spice It Up sketch that I was talking mm-hmm. about earlier. So it was a combination of a Star Wars sketch show and then there'd be like a 20 minute Star Wars related uh, improv montage kind of thing at the end. And uh, I had signed on to to write some stuff and to act in it. And then I was still very new to improv. So I didn't really want to be featured in the improv montage thing at the end and didn't quite work out that way. But, um, but from that, I started um doing more sketch with some people that i met doing that show so after the star wars show ended me and a couple others decided to start a sketch group and that's what got me rolling into sketch and that was yeah 2015. all right so tell me about this (laughs) first sketch group um the first sketch group that we were in um was like seven of us or something Uh, it was a combination of some actors that i had worked with in various projects and then um me and the two of the people from the star wars show they were more writer actors and i was more actor writer at that point so they brought in some more writers and i brought in some more actors so it was kind of a big a big um collaboration and combination of different types of uh people like various strengths so which i always like when i'm putting things together now is to have people with different backgrounds and different strengths so it's like if you have all writers you're not gonna have anyone to perform it if you have all performers you have no material so oh, well, yeah yeah so it like makes sense of a mix um and yeah it was it was one group we our our very first show i remember was a uh it was such a bad idea so and they had a like marathon improv festival thing on like the memorial day weekend but it was in boston in boston okay which sounds fine but the problem was that it was like in a it was in a terrible venue because the stage was tiny and like hard to like there's a tiny little stairs it was like hard to get up there and it was just not much space the acoustics were terrible you couldn't hear anything it was like a long 
room so it wasn't like a like a proper theater it was like long so if you weren't close to the stage you couldn't hear anything and like the air conditioner was going and the bar was over there so people weren't paying attention and pretty much anyone that was there was an improv group waiting to go up for their right. set yeah and like the three comedians that were there to do like a five-minute stand-up kind of spread out and our group was the only sketch group there to perform so literally no one was there to watch anyone they were just waiting their turn but we did our first show there and like it went well. I don't know that anyone remembered it or like cared, but we were like, we did a good job. This was a crappy <laughs> like uh, uh, venue or whatever, but it was a good experience. Right. It's that difference between you feeling good about your own show versus a good audience right. reaction. Like, yeah. yeah. Which if you feel good about how you did, without getting a good reaction, that's a good thing. Right. And if you was, feel awful about how you did and you don't get a good reaction, it's the worst on earth. Worst. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like, why am I even doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So, this, so it, was, it was actually kind of impressive that that being our first show, we still were able to go, we did a good job. This was, this was a good performance. It's just, this just sucked as a, just the whole, yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> For sure. The container we were served in. Um. So then like, did you take the class like after this group got together then? Yeah. So I took, okay. so I think um, if I remember correctly, I ended up taking the sketch class because I was getting set up to teach the class. So because I hadn't um, taken the sketch class, sketch classes yet, I, they wanted me to take them before I could teach them, which made sense. Yeah. Um, so for, uh, this probably was around 2016 at this point, maybe 2017. Um, Cause I, I think I'm trying to remember now chronologically, like did I direct, um, start directing at Improv Boston before I started teaching or was I teaching first? I think I was, I think it was like around the same time, honestly. Um, so like, let's say 2017 is when I started teaching and directing stuff. Um, yeah, so I, so I took the 101 sketch class first with Laura Clark and then the 201 class with Al McRae who then moved to New York and he's now, I believe, like the sketch director at the pit. Yeah, um, I had I had him on the show a couple years ago. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like for before NYC Sketch Fest. Yep. 18, I'm going to say. 2018? Yeah, I think so. That sounds yeah. right to me. Yeah, because he would have um, he would have been in New York at that time because that was my second year directing Comedy America. Mm. So so he cast me in Comedy America um, back in 2015. Uh, Comedy America is Improv Boston's like flagship sketch show that's been going since 2014, and it was created by Alan and someone else in Boston, Kevin Quigley, and they started in 2014. Alan directed it for 14, 15, 16. I was in it for 2015, 2016. And then when Alan moved to New York, they gave the show to me to direct. So I directed it in 2017, 18, 19. Oh. This year would have been, would have been another one, but yeah. <laughs> Is that a monthly thing or? No, no, no. It's uh, it's yearly. So it's like oh, okay. around the 4th of July. Okay. Yeah. So we would have, we would have like the show would be up now. <laughs> right. But stuff happened. Yeah. Um, so tell me about, uh, uh, is, uh, is it Susie or is it Suzzy? Suzzy. Suzzy. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about Suzzy. So Suzzy happened, um, Suzzy came about in 2017, uh, January. So when the, the first sketch group that I was in split up, um, uh, we kind of split in half where half, half of us went to start another sketch group. Um, and then the other half of us, 
uh, or rather I wanted to start a new sketch group so I took some of us over to Suzy. So I had pulled some of the members from the old sketch group and then some people that I worked with in various shows um, at Improv Boston or with comedy sports and then uh, some other people that I just had never worked with wanted to. And I, I think I emailed like 25 people and was like, hey, I'm looking to start a sketch group. Are you interested? So I think maybe um, it was like 12 or 13 or however many people said, yes, I'd love to you know, be involved. And then it, eventually like it dropped down to about 10. So the original cast of Suzy was 10 people, which is still a lot of people. Um, yeah. But I was just so excited that that many people wanted to be involved. I literally didn't think it would, I thought it'd be like five people maybe. <laughs> uh, so it was, I think, um, a good it was a good mix of i mean still is a good mix of actors who don't write and writers who also act and uh like i've got one um stand-up comedian who's still with us and i think we're like the main sketch thing that she does but she does a lot of stand-up comedy also and she's fantastic and everyone should follow tookie kavanaugh on uh, twitter and everything because she's amazing um but like it's just it's a really fun mix of people um, and like it's, and we've got a lot of women in, in the group also, which I'm always very proud of. So when we started Suzy, um, it was a kind of thing where, you know, we're putting together our sketches and everyone's bringing their, their writing packets and we're pitching ideas and we're like, okay, what about a, a group name? We need a name. So I had like a list of names going that we were kind of throwing out and we were like, how about this one? How about this one? I don't even remember what was on the list at this point. Um, but there was a sketch that we had read where there was a character in the sketch whose name was Susie and we were like at the point in the rehearsal we were just giggling and like joking around and so we were reading the sketch and one of the original members of the group said oh my goodness I can't do this without Susie what will I do without my precious Susie Susie so we're later talking about sketch names and like none of the names on the list are really doing it for anybody and there's like a long pause and someone says I kind of like Susie for a sketch name and then everyone's <laughs> like me too actually yeah I really like it too so that's that's where Susie comes from <laughs> I like that you're, you're the second person I've talked to in the last couple of months that uh their group name has come from like this weirdo like improv yeah. thing within a sketch of itself so yeah um and you answered a question i already had about like i where does this name come from because it's so mm -hmm. bizarre like so yeah, it's a very strange name check <laughs> accomplishment yeah uh can you tell me about uh what you think the voice of suzzy is um i think that our or like the, like the type of sketch that we like to do that kind of thing yeah yeah i think i think our we tend to lean towards absurdity, I think. I think we've got a lot of um, sketches where like crazy premises are happening and we definitely like big characters um, and zany situations. But I like I liked the fact that we um, are very cognizant of the fact that we have so many women um, writers and performers in our group and we tend to like lean that way and, and, and um, present and feature our, our ladies prominently, which I, I love that we do. And it's funny because we we have so many women in the group, but uh, it's always the guys that'll get naked on skate on stage for like various reasons. Like we have so many we have so many sketches where we have a guy taking off their shirt for whatever reason. Um, and there's one that's why I remember our group. We have more than one sketch that involves one of our guys uh, in a speedo. The fact <laughs> that there's more than one sketch with this is worrisome, and yet here we are. Um, well, that's fine because my first sketch group, uh, I every show we did somehow i was in my underwear <laughs> it 
in different like in like four or five different sketches so yeah like it like it always makes sense within the sketch but it's just always funny and like it's become kind of a running joke at this point um but one of our our flagship sketches i mentioned earlier i think um it's called nude model and this was one of the sketches that we wrote as a group because we kind of improv out the premise and it starts with everyone on stage except for one our one speedo man his name is brett we uh, he's our speedo uh guru but everyone's on stage and they've everyone's sitting with like a little sketchbook and um moonlight serenade is playing in the background and it's very and it's quiet no one's saying anything and then he walks out and he's in a robe and then uh, there's a brief moment and he drops the robe and he's in the speedo and then we all start sketching and so far nothing's been said uh and so like you know so far we're like 30 seconds into the sketch he like poses a little bit and then he looks at one of the um ladies in the group and he, he says you know genevieve and she uh kind of like takes her sketchbook and raises it up to cover her face like they they recognize each other but she doesn't want to admit it and like another 10 seconds like this is a very kind of drawn out uh slow burn so like this kind of thing kind of happens for another two minutes where like he poses and then says something to someone in the group and then someone has a comment like oh could you turn around so i could actually see the penis uh and then uh like later in the sketch someone's like oh you know does does he know that you only have to strike one pose and it keeps on going so the whole thing is like everyone has basically like one line they say during this at the very end of the sketch um one of the people on the sketching act finally turns to someone and says hey Cameron where's your sketch pad and then everyone <laughs> turns to look at the one guy that's been sitting there the entire time without a sketch pad and has literally just been staring at Brett the entire time but I love the sketch because it's such a slow burn and it's so not our typical style um but also it's the uh it's the like sleight of hand kind of thing that everyone's like watching Brett and his speedo and like the ridiculousness of that situation that no one seems to notice until the very end that right. mike does not have a sketchbook and he's just literally just staring at him which always cracks me up and you can always tell when everyone realizes it because there's because there's usually a big laugh at the very end and that's like a slow blackout um but that's one of my, my favorite sketches it's just always so so simple and so it's a it's like a patient sketch hmm. uh you mentioned that that sketch was written um like improv in the room together like yeah. what is the general writing process for a suzzy sketch like generally yeah for the most part we all write our sketches separately um there's i would say over half of us write sketches some write more than others um and for the most part like we'll come to a rehearsal and either say i've got a new sketch or i've got this um premise and i like want to brainstorm it with you so for the most part, I would say we do it on our own, but there are times where we'll kind of pair up with someone or there's been a sketch that's been like a collaboration. Um, we've got a few people in the group that don't, they don't write sketches by themselves, but they've teamed up with someone that does write sketches or um, I've mentioned Tookie Kavanaugh earlier. She's a stand-up comedian and her and I have kind of worked on some things where she's got a premise that she used for a stand-up routine before, but, but we think it could make a, a funny sketch. So like we'll kind of, work together so that I could help her turn a stand-up format into a sketch format for a sketch. So, so there's definitely some collaboration um, occasionally within the group. And then, and then sometimes we'll also do a thing where we'll improv out a sketch and see if we can uh, get something that way. Uh, you seem pretty entrenched in the Boston comedy scene, you know, being a director <laughs> and teaching sketch comedy there, uh, you know, comedy sports and everything else. So mm -hmm. tell me about the Boston comedy scene, because I don't think I've talked to a Boston person in a while. Oh, okay. Um, well, I know um, the 
I'm just trying to think of where to start. <laughs> so like there's three, I would say there's three main uh, improv venues in Boston. There's Improv Boston, uh, which is in Cambridge and is a very community based and it's a lot of um, time between indie groups and, um, you know, people that have gone through the classes and have graduated and are getting stage time and then like more um, quote unquote professional shows on the main stage. And then Improv Asylum is in the North End, which is, I would say, I'm, I'm least familiar with um, Improv Asylum, so I can't mm. speak as confidently, but I believe that they are like strictly main stage professional performers. So I believe you can take classes there, but going from um, a student to a performer at Improv Asylum is not as clear cut or accessible. Oh. Um, th again, this is from my limited interactions, sure. so I could be very wrong. <laughs> um, and then Comedy Sports is in Rosendale, which is a bit south of Boston. And uh, Comedy Sports is national, international, because there's a location in Manchester, England also. So Comedy Sports, we also offer classes and workshops. And um, we used to perform Fridays and Saturdays uh, until everything got locked down. Yeah, the the, the short form, the games, the fun, the yeah, yeah, the quick wit. I've actually been to Improv Boston a couple years ago. I went oh, up, nice. uh, visit some friends in, in New Hampshire. On my way down, I did a show. I did a game show at Improv Boston because oh. occasionally I'll I'll do a game show. And I was uh, I was the opening act for um, I'm sorry. What was the game show called? A uh, big freaking quiz or whatever it is. It, it's a ripoff yeah. of a British game. Okay, okay. I think I'm wrong. Um, I uh, I opened for a team that was Emerson students. Oh. Oh, I, I can't remember their name. If if I, know, I go through, I'm not, I'm not if I go through the episode list, I, it's it's some it's like writers of the dorm or something like that. Oh yeah, writers of the something like that. writers of the dorm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I oh my gosh. So I used to produce Battle Royale um, at Improv Boston, which was the bi-weekly sketch show where it would be like two sketch groups that were like quote unquote competing against each other um and when i was producing it i put writers on the dorm on that show and i believe that was their first performance and they like killed it so that was uh yeah they were really funny i remember them yeah but it was one of those shows i think it was like a thursday night and there's no one in the audience other than oh. like the writers of the dorm themselves and i think one of their parents showed up okay yeah. but like none of their other friends or anything else happened so it was just like a okay yeah, did they Let's, cancel the show? Did you? No, we we still went. You it was just, okay. you know, just silliness, and but I really like that space. Yeah, oh, it's a it's a really fun space. Yeah, um, yeah. There's been some, you know, with with the pandemic shutting everything down in for Boston, it's been closed for uh, a while now. We are not entirely sure what will happen in the yeah. new year. So we're in the same but, space but, with Philadelphia. Yeah, like, yeah, everyone's the same. Um it's hard it's hard how how live theater and comedy and everything's gonna be affected in the long run with this yeah it's it's gonna be a, such a weird like it's it's gonna have to be a rebuilding process like yeah. after after everything's open and we can get 20 percent people into a theater and yeah i don't even like the the audience doesn't even worry me as much because it's easy to scatter the audience with seating but with the performers like there's a certain aspect of intimacy and you know working with your scene partners whether it's theater sketch improv whatever that is where i'm like how are we going to do that do we just wear masks while we perform which is not impossible but sort of i feel i feel like it takes something away or like it's a constant reminder of 
like I guess maybe you can't yeah. get as immersed in the experience if you're staring at masks the entire time. But you know, who's to say? Yeah, my four different sneezing sketches are at the window now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, do like, and I know Suzy has done a couple of the festivals and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. have you noticed the difference between audiences in Boston versus audiences in other cities? Um, I don't think so, but only because we've only performed in Boston and New York at the Sketchfest. Okay. Um. So both times, I. This past year, 2019, um, I think it was a pretty full room, if I remember correctly. Um, we were in the downstairs theater. I don't remember the name, the name of the space. Um, but I believe it was pretty full, and they were pretty well. Um, they were pretty receptive to our to our set, which was which was always, it's always nice when they seem to enjoy it. Yeah. Remember the year before, it was a little it was a little less full. So I guess that's the. The common um, thing I've seen is that sketch shows are not as sold out as I've seen with improv. Um, and it's interesting because I because I would almost argue that sketch is more well known with SNL, you know, being on primetime for 40 years yeah. now. Uh, longer than that. Yeah, it's, it's much years. easier to explain what sketch is to somebody. Yeah. Oh, it's like SNL. SNL does it. Like, yeah, and then they instantly know what it is. Yeah. Long form improv is like, takes yeah. a little more explanation. Well, let me get on my, my blackboard head. explain a herald to you. Yeah. Um, um, and I think also with like, you know, especially with NYC Sketch Fest, like mm-hmm. the time of day. For sure. Oh, definitely yeah. uh, affects things. Because I, I, I went up for the day, the one last year, mm-hmm. and there was like a 2 p.m. show that was like me and four other people in the audience. Yeah. It's it's hit or miss, and th- and that's not. I mean, it's, um, festivals are different when you've got programming all day long. There's always going to be, you know, time slots that are more sold out than others. Um, that's just kind of inevitable. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if this is if it's the same way in Philly, but with Boston, sketch doesn't get as much play. Um, it's not as as well sought out or sought after um, as improv is, which I've been trying to get more airtime for sketch things um like i've just been trying to build up the community more here and more places to perform sketch more more directors that are uh, around that can direct sketch there because i i just don't see there um as being as much as there is for improv which um i mean i mean this is just me speaking from someone in the sketch community i just would like to see it beefed up <laughs> um, no it, it's totally a, a thing because like even if you look at the classes that the theaters offer Mm-hmm. There, there will be six yep. improv 101s, yep. and then a, and then two sketch 101s, mm-hmm. and then sketch 201 doesn't happen every like term. It like, are you speaking of my theater or your theater? <laughs> Literally, I could have said the exact same. Thing. Yeah, it's universal, like for yeah. most part, I feel for sure. But, but you know, I and I, whenever I have this this um, debate with people or like this conversation, it always, I always think. But you know what? I bet a lot of it comes down to the fact that sketch is kind of like homework or this right oh it's like, totally it's yeah. totally homework because yeah. i i actually like um the the groundlings have been offering like zoom classes nice. and just as a lark i tried one a couple weeks ago and it started with like 12 of us second class it was down to eight <laughs> yep third class it was down to six like yep. the Every idea time. people people forgetting that homework is involved in sketch writing is mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, when I when I teach sketch because I've taught 101 and I've taught 201. 101 usually will be between six to 12 people in the class caps at 12. Yeah. Uh, sketch 201. I don't think I've had more than eight people in a, in a group for 201, and I think the the average I've had is like four or five and that's like and if all of them last till the end of this session that's pretty good yeah um but i always i always stress in my classes like this is supposed to be fun like we're supposed to be here to learn and to and to like you know learn about sketch and to have fun but also like i i don't want anyone to be stressed out about this i understand that we have our own lives and you've yes. got your own priorities absolutely so if you have like a week and you are feeling guilty about not writing something and it's like you can either uh, not show up because you didn't write anything or be here with no sketch, but you're here, I'll take you here. Like, that's fine. Yeah, I'd rather have you here, like, helping exactly. read other sketches, yeah. input, like, that's part of the experience, too, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Even if you wrote, like, a page, even if you have just an idea, come with that, and that's yeah. totally fine. I will never, like, guilt anyone for not having done the assignment, because, again, it's like, you're not getting graded. Like, you, you paid for this class, you will get what you put into it. Um, so, being being present i will happily take someone being present <laughs> for sure um yeah. you mentioned being a teacher so i'm always curious do you have any horror stories of uh awful sketches that people brought in it's, uh, thankfully i don't have that many horror stories really um, i really don't i know that i'm trying to i'm trying to think now there was um I think like the the quote unquote worst sketch I had in a class, I couldn't tell you what it was about. I don't remember, but I just remember that grammatically it was mm. it was like barely English. Like yeah. was, and I like I I think there were times where I couldn't even understand what exactly the sentence was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so like I've had a couple, you know, people here and there where I'm like, oh, this formatting is not quite and I don't I'm very lax with formatting. Like it's again, it's not that serious. Um here's like I give people like an example of here's how I generally format my sketches, you know, take this grain of salt as long as it's clear who is speaking and where speech stage directions are. Like, I'm sure, fine. absolutely. Um, but this was more of like, I'm not sure this is a coherent sentence. Um, but, but like, honestly, like most people that I've had in my classes have been ranged from, you know, good to excellent. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not just saying that either lucky um I, like, <laughs> like the story i always tell that i always relish in was my first when i, I was taking the class i was a student mm -hmm. and there was an older woman who wrote a sketch that i can't remember the the, the order of this uh i can't remember if the main character was mentally mentally challenged mm -hmm. or from another country huh. okay and then as we talked through the notes of it the, the instructor's like, you can't do this. Like this, mm -hmm. this doesn't help. It's, it's either, you know, it's either racist or ableist depending on which one, which right. one was first. Right. So the second draft she brought in was oh, the no. flip. Okay. So in, I, I believe it was, I believe it was mentally challenged first and then it became racist. Okay. That's fun. Like, yeah. So the, like when the, she brought in the second draft, it was longer no. and worse. And like, and I'm just like, you know, a, a student in this class and I'm just like holding my head. Like I want nothing <laughs> to do with this. Like, yeah, uh, it was like, and the, the, the instructor was trying to explain to her. Right. Right. How this isn't okay. Like, right. and it just wasn't working. 
which is because I've only been in one of those situations again, thankfully, like I just haven't had many issues, um, knock on wood, with these kind of things. The, the one thing I had in my class that was like similar with that was um, we were learning about parody and I believe the student had a, it was like a Budweiser parody sketch. So it's supposed to be very like, oh, you know, down, down home, like down to earth, all American, like this is, this is my America, this is my Bud, like that was the vibe of it. Mm -hmm. But it was a parody, so it was very much like a, I I like drinking Budweiser. That's you can take your something racist here, something racist here, and something oh, racist here because this is America. And like it was a parody, so like I, I'm reading it, I'm going like I understand what you're trying to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. But in doing this, in trying to do this satirical thing, you're just saying the racist things. So like it was that same conversation of like. I, I think I understand what you're going for. However, this is not the way to do that. Yes. Your racism in this sketch is not satirical. Like, right, right. Like there's a difference between satire and poking fun and like kind of taking uh, taking the thing you're saying and like twisting it. But like it wasn't coming off like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I thankfully I haven't had too many of those conversations in classes, but I always – uh, begin my classes like day one saying like this is open um, this is open in space like it's safe space I want people to be comfortable if there's ever anything that comes up in class like in a sketch that makes you uncomfortable like let's talk about that because I don't yeah. want anyone to be uncomfortable or not be okay with anything whether you're reading this thing yourself or someone else is saying it like it just shouldn't be that kind of space so um, so I think hopefully that it's always set a set a good tone going in whereas i haven't had many of these many of these situations thankfully again <laughs> you mentioned a few minutes ago how like uh, sketch performers can use snl as like their shorthand of what sketch is i mm -hmm. ask everybody i'm always curious who would be your favorite snl cast member oh god um i mean was Melinda McCarthy actually on SNL? Maybe she no, was, she was a host and a guest. guest. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because uh, like my my go-to, um, just who I identify with, I I always identify with Melissa McCarthy. But then I was like, wait, no, she wasn't actually a cast member. I mean, it's hard to to top Gilda Radner. I mean, she was just special. She had like that je ne sais quoi. Um, from from for for the younger people the uh she was like the original original cast of snl yep um i'm trying to think of like i'm going through like the eras now of who <laughs> who else uh, i love i mean i love um the combination of oh, balls now i'm blanking on her name <laughs> one of the blonde ladies um one of the blonde ladies yes in what no, era uh bridesmaids kristen wick there we go Chris got it Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph together uh, always, always crack me up. I didn't realize until uh, my boyfriend and I were watching YouTube the other day how funny the Californians is. I, <laughs> for whatever reason, like had seen one randomly was like, oh, it's so stupid. And then I think, oh, I know he was playing a video that was like all of the Californians sketches all in one take. And like, maybe he was watching them back to back, but I was like, this is really stupid, but really funny. Right. It, I mean, it is really stupid, but it's very stupid. it is very funny. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up here, I ask the same two questions all the time, a little deeper than, okay. you know, all the other silliness. So first, uh, What's something that you've learned about sketch comedy that you would pass on? Uh, and this is helpful because you are a teacher and everything. So what's something that you learned from sketch comedy that you would pass on to a new writer? 
Um, I think one of the the things that I've learned that is the most I don't know if helpful is the right word, but that I that I take to heart is to write your own experiences um, because that's what you know best. And I think your voice will come strongest that way. Um, I write what I know and I write my background. And one of the, um, there's an exercise that we did when I was taking sketch to one of that we do now when I teach it, which is, you know, you go over all the sketches that you've written and you kind of, uh, and you look at your list of your sketches and you find the, the common themes and you see what your strengths are and what you tend to write to. So being, um, you know, a, woman uh, who's Jewish from New York, who has a, a journalistic background. I write a lot of female-centered sketches with the uh, Jewish sketches and like linguistic sketches. That's that's what I lean to. And those are like, that's my, I think my strength, but those are also the stories that I can tell because that's like what I, what I identify with. So I think I'm the most authentic when I'm writing those stories. And um, not that, you know, I can't write something else, but I think the best material can come from when you're writing to your truths and when you're writing someone else's truths, then it's like, it's, it's not quite the same maybe because it's not necessarily your story. Um, granted that's, you know, not the end all be all, mm. but that's kind of where, where I tend to lean to. And finally, uh, I mean, you do improv with comedy sports, mm -hmm. you have a sketch group, you teach, blah, blah, blah. You, you, direct everything <laughs> yeah. uh jill of all trades basically in comedy yeah. so why comedy why is comedy how you spend so much of your time i assume it's funny because i i love performing no matter what i've always been a performer when i was younger i was it was like musical theater and everything like that um and i would still be doing musical theater if I if I were if I had the time or the ability. Um, I love comedy because I think it, comedy is so accessible and it it it's something that everyone can identify with and participate and everyone finds different things funny and it's I don't think you you'd be hard pressed to find someone that didn't enjoy laughing. Um, like not everyone's into like a very serious play or not everyone's into a big Broadway musical, but I think most people like to laugh. Yeah. If, if, if I find someone that doesn't like to laugh, I don't, they're, they're completely untrustworthy Yeah. and they need to not be in my life. Yeah. Like maybe you don't like, maybe what makes you laugh doesn't make me laugh and vice versa, but like, you're still going to find, there's still gonna be something that they like to laugh about. Right. And to me, like, um, you know, if you're singing a big song and you have a big finish and everyone like claps and applauds, like that's great. And if you, if you make a joke or you write something or you say something and everyone like there's a laughter break, that's just like, ah, uh, it's one of the biggest highs I think that, that I've had. Um, so I think there's something so special about doing comedy and being a comedian and making people laugh and especially in the crazy crazy times we're living in now people need a distraction and they need to feel some joy however briefly so helping helping through laughter is is enough <laughs> yeah it is yeah well i mean there's more things you can do to help but laughter is well start. you know <laughs> <laughs> helping through laughter is one small part that we could play it's a good start for sure i'm all about it yeah all right thanks emmy yeah
You can find Emmy's sketch troupe on Facebook at Suzzy Boston. S-U-Z-Z-Y. Boston. Suzzy's performing in a virtual show with the John Paul Bros this Saturday, July 11th at 8 p.m. Find out more information at theriottheater.com. Don't forget about Sketchybator this Friday, July 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. Check out myfirstsketch.com or phillysketchfest.com for more information. There's a Facebook page around there somewhere. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Secure the perimeter.